Good morning, Journey. Come on. <laughs> I was enjoying the service so much, I almost forgot to come up. That's cool, though, right? This is such a great energy, such a great atmosphere that you guys bring, a love for one another, a love for the Father. The assembly that we have should be exactly that. It should be something that when you walk away from here, you take something with you that causes other people to look at you and say, I want what they have, right? Like that should be our, that should be our presence all the time, <coughs> excuse me, because it is the presence of God living in us. We're literally fulfilling the will of God. We're literally fulfilling what Jesus prayed for us. And that starts with how we engage him. So he has created all these perfect fits for us. He has created and designed and designated and predestined and determined that we should walk in these things. But you have to make a choice for it, which starts with deciding, is he Lord? So let's just, let's just do a little heart examination really quick as we open up in prayer. I want you to just ask yourself this question as I, as I pray, if you would bow with me. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the opportunity you've given us to come together in freedom with your Holy Spirit, your presence here with us. We thank you, Father, that you called us. And as we engage one another, and as we engage you, Father, we present the question to ourselves, is Jesus really Lord? And if he is so, then I want to fulfill and walk out everything he's desired and designed for me to fulfill for your glory and your purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we've been talking about the perfect fit, and one of the greatest perfect fits that we have started in the book of Genesis where Jesus actually, I mean, where God actually created all these great things. He said they were good, and he actually creates Adam and sees that he's alone. And I don't know if he actually thought this, but he didn't say it. We know that. I'm not going to misquote scripture. But he, he did look at Adam and say, yeah, this is not good because the man was alone, and he decided that it wasn't good for man to be alone. But man, I just want to at least take this moment to plug that in, that he took a look at you, stepped back and said, he's got to have some help. This guy's got to have some help, right? So women, come on, guys. Let's give it up for our wives. Come on. I tell people often that uh, I, have, I, have, I have two parakletos, the, the Greek word for, for helper. Uh, one's Holy Spirit. The other one's my wife. Because when I'm not hearing him, he speaks to me through her. And, of course, through brothers and things like that. But that exactly speaks. That precisely speaks to what we're speaking of today. And that is our need for community. And I want you guys to really lean into this this morning because this is actually what we're doing. We'll we are fulfilling Jesus' prayer. When we find our perfect fit in community, and you don't know it until you step into it, so before there's any preconceived ideas, you don't know it until you step into it. So it's one of those faith steps, right, just like everything else in salvation. You are fulfilling Jesus' prayer. He said, I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that belong to him, but he was also praying for the Gentiles. He's praying for those, those non uh, uh, Jewish raised people. We just had Pastor Mike and Laurie and, and uh, a team of, I think, 17 people just got back from Israel yesterday, you know, fighting off the jet lag. And they're here this morning engaging in community. But God still, Jesus said he wasn't talking about just those people of the Hebrew nation. He was talking about to all those who received this message. I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. What did he pray? I pray that they will be one just as you and I are one. As you are in me, Father, and I am in you, and may they, be, may, they, may they be in us so that the world will believe that you sent me. You remember what I said just a minute ago when you come in here and you draw that atmosphere of community from one another and you take it back out? There's something innate. There's something deeper. It's subliminal. 
than just being out on the surface. It's deeper. You carry it with you, and people are drawn to it. It's you finding your tribe. It's you finding a community of people that you belong to, and then you walk out life together. There's something that fulfills in you that shines a light, and other people see it. And I guarantee you one of the first things that you could diagnose in those people is if they asked you, or if you asked them and they were honest, you'd, you'd be able to, to determine in them that they're lonely. But you have something to offer them. He said, I have given them the glory you gave me, so they may be one as we are one. You understand this is a supernatural thing? It's a supernatural thing for a man and a woman to come together and they no longer be called one flesh. It's a supernatural thing that the body of Christ be joined together in such a way that they're one body. It's a natural thing that this body be joined together, and we're going to look at that in just a minute. But it's a supernatural thing that that, that that spirit infuses into my soul, into my body, and he becomes one with me. So understand, first and foremost, that it is not your doing, it is his doing that's accomplished it. So you should cast out all ideas that makes you feel like you've got to rely on your own self to get it accomplished. All you got to do is step into it, right? So you're fulfilling Jesus' prayer. He said, I am in them and you are in me. May they experience such perfect unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love them as much as you love me. You know, I think sometimes we set Jesus up here and say, well, yep, that's just Jesus. I mean, when it comes to things Jesus said, Jesus said, you'll do greater works than I do. And we separate ourselves. We, we, almost, we almost, for moments of thought, for moments of perspective, we separate ourselves, divorce ourselves from Jesus. We say he's Lord, we call him Savior, and then we say, ah, I can't do what he says. But he said, in the previous line, he said, I, Father, I pray that you give them the glory that you've given me. I, give, I gave it to them. You have the glory of Jesus. And he said that they may experience such perfect peace and unity that the world will know that you sent me and that you love me. I mean, that you love them as much as you love me. So we make these statements sometimes. Well, you know, brother, I'm just, I'm only human. Yes, you are human, but you're not only human. You are a spirit born of God. Not by the will of the flesh, by the will of your parents. Not by blood. But by his supernatural infusion, you have become a son, a child of God. That's worth shouting over. And if you don't get that, I'm going to pray you be getting that. Because that's not, that, that'll, call, that'll rock your world. Tony said this a few weeks back, and to give due credit, I think he got it from the other Tony, Pastor Tony Evans. This is, it is not your purpose, it's God's purpose. So take focus off. I get this a lot as a pastor. Well, brother, what do you think my purpose is? Or they'll say, well, what do you think I'm called to be? What, which of the fivefold ministries do you think I'm called to be? I just say, a son. Just a son. All that other stuff is secondary. If you don't learn how to be a child of God, if you don't learn how to engage him in relationship and intimacy, the rest of that stuff won't matter. Forget about your gifts for a minute. Forget about if you're called in the, that, that, that apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher position. Those things are secondary to you just being a son of God. And son is both male and female. It means offspring. So understand that it's fulfilling his purpose, not your purpose. For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. So he empowered you for this, not for your own benefit. A lot of times Christianity becomes about how well can I be served? You know, what, what, what do I get out of it? Listen, if you take your perspective and you change it to what can I give into it? Everything you need to be fulfilled. That's what Matthew 6, 33 is talking about. That if you seek first the kingdom of God, everything you need to be added to you. You won't have to go chasing after it. 
So I like to think of Scripture in, 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 in some of the, the paradoxes or, or uh, the contrapositive, if you know anything about logic and uh, contingency statements. The contrapositive of a statement is, if, if this does happen, then this will happen. And the contrapositive would be, if this doesn't happen, then this doesn't happen. Okay? Uh, we went on a dove shoot yesterday. If you don't raise your gun and pull a trigger, you won't shoot a bird. That's, that's a contrapositive. If you don't do something, you won't, get, you won't get a dove, all right? That's pretty simple logic, all right? But this is the purpose. It's through love that you serve one another. So what happens if you don't serve one another? What happens if you don't love one another? You won't fulfill what he's praying for, right? For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Remember, this is a law. It was a, it was a commitment, <clears throat> It was something that you're committing to to fulfill what God was requiring and desiring. Let that sink in. Community makes the body grow. So here's one of those contrapositives. Community makes the body grow. Speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head into Christ. From whom the whole body joined and held together, but every, by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, makes the body grow. So here's the contrapositive. When each part is not working properly, what happens to the body? I learned that pause from John Maxwell. <laughs> Think about it. If each part is not working properly, what happens to the body? It doesn't grow. You have a responsibility in this so that it builds itself up in love. It makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, this isn't all up to God, guys. I know we sing a lot of songs that says, God, send revival. God, awaken the people. But that's not exactly scriptural. He says, you come awake to righteousness, you sleeper. You have some responsibility in this. If we can, the gospel has been given to people to engage people. So if you want revival, you have to engage what your calling and purpose is. You have to engage what he has called you to fulfill for his purpose. Your purpose is to be a son of God. Community facilitates mutual support. Like when the whole body comes together, nobody should be lacking anything. So again, it's not all up to God. It's all up to the body of Christ. I'm, I'm going to give you a, a, a statement. You, you may not realize or may not agree with it exactly, but we look to the government for a lot of things that the church is actually supposed to be fulfilling. Amen. We look to the government to do things. And the last I checked in Isaiah 53, the government of all creation is on Jesus' shoulders. So why are we looking to some other entity to fulfill what Jesus has called us to fulfill in him? It's a good question, right? And all who believed were together and had all things in common. I'm I'm, I'm just being honest with you here, just by observation, and and by the way, my own challenges of self-preservation. I'm not sure the church, the the today's church is ready for what the book of Acts actually walked in. Because they were at the place where they said all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the, the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, 
praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number because they were following this, I don't even want to call it a format, it was a culture. It became a culture of people meeting from house to house, seeking after the fulfillment of other people's needs instead of their own. See, the evidence of fear in your life, the evidence of self-preservation is that you will take your own priorities and set them above everybody else's. But Jesus said there's no greater love than a person who would lay down his life for his friend. So I don't want to step on toes too hard, guys. I just want to challenge us. I want to elevate us to that next place one step at a time. We, around here, we don't expect big, massive changes all at once. We just want you to take the next step. Find out wherever you are right now compared to what we're learning in the Bible and just say, all right, well, that seems overwhelming to go that far. That's okay. Just find out where you are and take the next step. Life, life takes place in the decimals. 1.1, 1.2, 1.3, 1.4. It don't take place in whole numbers. It takes place in nanoseconds. So just make one small step. But they had favor with all the people. That's that world impact that you're going to make on people. That they'll see something different in you and you'll have opportunity to speak into matters that you would have otherwise missed by simply focusing on your own life. And I'm talking about on every level, within your community, within your school, whatever you're, wherever you're, you're participating, your children at school, within your jobs, within the government. There'll be something in you that causes those higher officials to come and say, Amanda, I need you to come pray for us. I don't know why, but I'm drawing something. For, I feel like you just need to be in here. You draw, you draw them into a place of comfort that they might not be aware of just because Jesus lives in you. You have to engage. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. I want us to be ready for this. I, I, want that, I don't want that to be a statement we just pass right over and say, well, that's a, that's, a, that's a great statement. That's a great verse. But I want us to really capture it. In this way, you will fulfill the law of Christ. The very principle of Christ the anointing is that you take up each other's burdens. So this is how the enemy works. He don't want you to fulfill that, so he'll give you all the reasons to try to escape that. All kinds of self-fulfilling reasons and feelings of inadequacy or, well, what can I do? What could I possibly accomplish? It's not about you. It's about him working through you if you'll just step into it. You are very quiet. Is it bad or are you just getting it? Come on, guys. All right. Community encourages and stirs one another. When you're around other people, it causes you to want to move. You don't want to see me dance. But if everybody else in here gets up and dance and Sammy turns on some music back there and you guys start having a good time, I'm going to feel like I've got to move it, right? It stirs me. Whatever you do stirs me. Whatever others do stirs you. You stir people. By coming together and doing things together, it causes attention to be drawn. It causes a, 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 an enthusiasm. It causes an energy to, be, to swell. It draws but it just takes that first step. It takes one engagement to draw the rest of the way in. And that's like that with anything we do with the Holy Spirit. When he calls you to, to, to something, in fact, Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this in his book, Life Together. He says, when God calls a man, he bids him come and die. Well, I don't want to die. 
It's dying to self. It's what Jesus said. It's what Jesus said when he told the disciples, if you want to come after me, if you want to be like me, if you want to follow after me, you have to first deny self, selfishness, selfness, selfness, rather I should say. Anything that is selfness, deny that and say, I'm going to seek after your will, your purpose, and how to serve others, trusting that everything I need will be fulfilled. It's part of those paradoxes of the kingdom. The, 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 the Bible's full of them. You want to live? Die. You want to receive? Give. You want to be ministered to? Minister. That's one of the first things I tell people. You come to my office for counseling, the first thing I'm, one of the first things I'm going to tell you to do is where are you serving? Not just in journey. I'm talking about you're dealing with something right now. Let's both call somebody that you know is also dealing with something. Let's pray for them. That's all it takes. By the time you're done, you'll be fulfilled. Because you poured out of the Holy Spirit. You're like a water hose, and you're delivering that river of living water. Well, you're saturated with it, too. It's not like you can deliver something that you're also not going to be saturated with. Get your focus off yourself and pour into other people. You'll find yourself being fulfilled. But that's one of the lies of the enemy. Get you inward focused. Community encouraging stirs us. And let us consider how to stir one another up to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. The writer of Hebrews was calling them out on that, wasn't he? As is in the habit of some, as is the habit of some. (laughs) But encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day, capital day, draw near, the return of Christ. Why? Because in those latter times that, that, that we know is drawing near to the coming of Christ, his return, things aren't going to be so great. If you don't have community now, you'll wish you did then. Stir one another. We belong to Jesus and to one another. Did you know that Paul talked about that regarding a husband and a wife? I bet you there'd be a lot fewer divorces in, in people, among people, if we each had the mindset that I don't actually belong to me I belong to him and I belong to her, my wife. I belong to her. Now, children belong to me and I submit them to him. But I'm going to give you another one. I belong to you. Y'all see pastor in front of somebody's name or at the end of somebody's name and suddenly we we, we, want to put them up here. Guys, we are foot washers. Half the time, this is a really, really hard job. And many people get burned out from it because they don't, possibly because they don't keep their relationship with him intact. But we belong to you, and you belong to one another. Whether you're convicted by it or not, I just want you to say it with me, because you say it, maybe it'll stir up something later on. Say, I don't belong to me. Say, it's no longer about me. I got saved. Now it's about everybody else. Come on, right? I didn't just write the the, the statement in white and yellow. I can prove it. Just we're going to prove it. (laughs) For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, from one body, and each member belongs to all the others. Told you I could prove it. You belong to others. You belong to the rest of the body of Christ. Because Galatians 2, Paul says, 
I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the, the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because he also says later that Jesus did not come to be served, but to serve. So I ask you this question, who loved me and gave himself for me, who do you love and are giving yourself for? It's the, it's the person sitting next to you. It's you engaging in people's lives because they need something and you need something. See, we're not called to be codependent. I don't need to rely on my wife for, for fulfillment. I rely with my wife for his fulfillment. You understand? So it's not a codependence, it's an interdependence. We interdependently rely on him. And it strengthens us. Let me just tell you, there are about three different kinds of fruitful relationships you're going to see. Everything else is, is, is just acquaintance and seed planting. There's three different kinds of relationships. I wish I would have put this in the notes. You can just write this down. There are those that you are going to be discipled by. Maybe those who are a little further along in their walk. There are those that you are going to mutually sharpen. As iron sharpens iron, so does one man sharpen another. And then there are those you are going to disciple. Those three relationships are the fruitful, intentional relationships that you're going to surround yourself with. Everything else might be trivial. I don't, I don't say it's entirely trivial. I just, say some, I just mean that some of those acquaintance moments. Well, let me just correct myself. Nothing's trivial because every moment, every place you go, everywhere you stand, you're creating, you're changing the presence because you brought the presence of God there. But, but to, to state what I mean is you might not engage with every single person you pass, but it's seed time. Your life should present a seed. The best gospel preached is the one that you live, not the one that you shout out loud. I don't remember who said it. I don't, I'm not sure if we know who said it. But the statement that preach the gospel everywhere and when necessary, use words. When you aren't convinced of God's purpose, what did Pastor Tony say? When you're not convinced of God's purpose, when you don't know your purpose, you'll abuse it. When you're not convinced of God's purpose, you'll also excuse it or make excuses for not fulfilling it. Here's why. You're going to hear this statement come out of me a lot. The axiom of faith, the one, two, three, the one plus one of faith is you will do what you believe. No brainers. You're doing it right now. You're sitting in a seat because you think it'll hold you up. You will commit to what you believe. So for us to say, I trust God with my life, or to say, I love people, or even to say that I know that he loves me, is going to be evident in what you walk out. So examine yourself. Don't just say it just because it's church talk. Say it because it's true, and because you mean it wholeheartedly, and because you believe it. Don't let the enemy's lies separate you from the flock. I'm just going to take a drink of water. Anybody ever notice how lions operate? They'll find that straggler from the herd, and they'll try to separate somebody. 
what they'll do is they try to do these tricks. They'll maneuver themselves in a position and try to get you veered off from the rest of the pack because they know there's, there's great strength in the whole pack. They'll get trampled under a, feet of will, under, under a, a, a herd of wildebeest. But if they can get that one pulled off to the side, he's vulnerable. And he's outnumbered. Well, Jesus said, you are my sheep. You know my voice. My sheep know my voice. Well, I don't want to be a sheep. Jesus called you a sheep. Argue with him about it. I'm just quoting scripture. We're sheep because we follow. We don't have to be cattle-driven. We follow him. Sheep follow because they trust the shepherd. He's the shepherd. The enemy will try to lie to you and, and get you pulled away from the flock just as Peter warned us. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Be aware. For your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. He's actively seeking it, guys. It's not by accident. He's not sitting on a couch eating potato chips and happens to notice somebody's strayed from the herd. He's looking. He's peering at each one of you and saying, what can I do to cause them to feel weak? I know. Their spouse don't belong to me. I'll, I mean, doesn't belong to God. I'll just start working through them and, and get, them, get them to weave in as a distraction. And now you become a victim of your spouse's actions instead of seeing them as a victim of the enemy's actions. Or your children. Or your boss. And sometimes, sometimes even those in the church, including church leadership. Listen, we don't have it all together. We're going to fail. When I fail you, intercede for me. Don't get hurt by me. Hurt for me. Because you don't know if he's attacking me through somebody else that I'm around. You don't know if he's attacking me in my body. You don't know if he's attacking me in my mind. Don't take it personal just because I might come across the wrong way or I might not do something the right way or I didn't fulfill some expectation. Don't ever be hurt by me. Hurt for me. And I know this sounds like a very bizarre concept, but I want everybody in this room to hear this and go home and meditate on it with the word. Jesus never was hurt by people. He always hurt for people. And if he is the ultimate, if he's the target, that's what sin means. It means missing the target. Well, if you fulfill Jesus, you're fulfilling the target, right? You're, you're hitting the mark. And if Jesus can do it, then you can do it. To go through life purging all self-preservation, living to fulfill his purposes and to love others. Because Jesus said, you should owe no man anything but to love him. You can go through life without ever being hurt by people, and instead you'll hurt for people. And then you're going to have to simmer on that for a little bit, because I know just by me saying it, it's not, it's not, it's not going to fully register. Take it to the Holy Spirit. Take it to your prayer closet and let that germinate in you. Because people who acted on a certain whim of the flesh, no person ever acted in the flesh that did so in the clear mind in the identity of Christ. Let me say that again. No one who ever acted in the flesh did so in the clear mindedness of knowing who they are in Christ. Man, you're clicking on stuff on the internet that you shouldn't be clicking on? You're a victim of Satan's deception. Wives, your husbands are a victim of Satan's deception. You're not, wives, you're not a victim of your husband. You're collateral damage to their victimization. Start fighting for them. 
Because if they knew who they were in Christ, they were confident in that, they weren't being a target of the enemy trying to destroy your home, they wouldn't do it. No one ever stepped by the flesh and did so in the fullness of the mind of Christ. You belong to Jesus. Possible reasons the enemy uses to keep us from engaging in community. This has to do specifically with our, 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 our life groups. Well, I'm not sure if I want to join a life group. Let me tell you what. We want Journey to be a church full of life group members. We don't want to be a church with life group ministries. I get a question oftentimes, well, can I invite people from other places? No, that's exactly what we want you to do. I would like for everybody that's here on Sunday morning to be a life group leader in your community and have life groups for people that don't even come to church. Everybody sitting in this room has the capacity to be a life group leader. So that when you come to the church, the, the, the corporate body on Sunday morning, we're doing what Ephesians 4 says. Equipping the body for works of service. Now this isn't a very evangelistic church, so we're always going to have new believers coming in. But they should be coming into your environment that you can embrace them and lead them. So possible reasons the enemy uses to keep you out of fulfilling that community, fulfilling what God calls you to fulfill or called you to fulfill for his purposes. I don't know the Bible well enough. That's okay. That's why you're coming to learn. And not every life group is about just Bible study. That's only a portion of them. We have activities. We have all kinds of groups. Life groups can be built around anything that you hold common or hold dear. You're just inviting people to join in with it. I mean, if we can do it for pickleball, then... I mean, they moved it to Tuesday. I'm going to be going now that it's on Tuesday. I'm an introvert. That's a lie. I know by personality, we may feel like introverts, but I got a secret for you. I'm an introvert. My, 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 I could be satisfied, at least in my own selfishness, I could be satisfied living as a recluse in a mountain somewhere. My personality but I'm not going to let my personality serve as a lie to fulfilling, to, to remember making excuses. I'm not going to allow it to excuse me from fulfilling the desire of God because I'm not fulfilled when I'm not pouring into you. So I, 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 I'm here for you, not because I, I have to be or because I want to be or because my, my, my uh, personality allows me to be. I defy all that stuff because I'm fulfilled when I'm fulfilling his purpose. And you, I am his purpose. And then I draw from you things I didn't realize I needed from you. Don't let that be an excuse. I'm not comfortable around strangers. That's because you're not around enough strangers. You're not comfortable with anything until you do it once. I don't have time. You don't have time? As if somebody gives you your time? Who's Lord? Jesus is Lord, and you direct your life surrendered to him. So if you don't have time, then that's living the subjectivity to somebody who maybe should have given you time. No, you make time. You take time. It belongs to you. Don't let, you, don't let people, or don't let the enemy steal your time. I'm afraid a question will be asked that I cannot answer. You don't have to speak up. You don't have to participate. It'll take four, five, six, seven weeks before everybody really gets comfortable in a life group to actually start speaking. You can sit. No, but there's no pressure on anyone at all. It's just about being amidst the community. I don't have anyone to watch my kids during the meeting. That's not true because here at Journey, we provide child care on Sunday nights if the life group is there. 
And if it's not, if it's not possible on the other nights that your life group leader are, are leading their group, go and talk to them. We'll work it out. Okay? That's what we're here to do. Help shepherd and mentor and lead people. I'm not comfortable talking or praying out loud. No one's going to ask you to. No one's going to ask you to do anything you're not comfortable with. We just want you engaged in the community so you can draw. And before you know it, you'll be not just drawing, but you'll also be pouring. That's what we want you to do. We want you to fulfill that because there's a fulfillment that you're not realizing you're missing yet. I don't understand the terms of other Christians. I already know. Neither do I. We've had a lot of them in the church over the years. Let's just talk normal. <laughs> but, you know, some of the things that, like salvation or, or redemption or sanctification, that's the reason we do have Bible studies. You're supposed to be like Paul told Timothy, 2 Timothy 2.15. Rightly dividing the word of truth, you'll learn. Study to show yourself approved. And my spouse won't go with me. That's okay. Remember what we said a minute ago? You're going, and when you draw into from what other people have to offer and what you have to give, that's what's going to happen is you're going to even become a light to your spouse. They're going to want what you have, and it becomes contagious. So now, our next steps, I want you to pray about this stuff. I want you to seek God on it. And I want you to begin to ask yourself these questions, some of these hard questions that you've taken notes on today. Just examine your life by it. And I want you to ask him to lead you. Like Proverbs 3 says, don't lean on your own understanding. Just acknowledge him in all of your ways and he will direct your path. We have a life group rally today for you to go and start talking to some of the leaders about what their groups are about. But you can scan that QR code and go. If you don't feel comfortable talking, that's fine. You can scan the QR code. It takes you to the main website and it covers all the life groups and you can read up them at every single one of them. And then you can request to join and get more information from that leader. But again, do it in prayer because God has a specific group for you. And lastly, once you get engaged, don't go back. Don't revert back to those lies of the enemy. Stay faithful. When it's uncomfortable, stay faithful. The only thing uncomfortable in the presence of God is your flesh. So don't let it rule you. Amen? I want to pray. Father, I thank you today for the opportunity you've given us to hear your voice. And Father, I thank you that the words that go forth are penetrating our hearts and being led of the Holy Spirit. And we're growing and we're being trained and we're being equipped. And I thank you for it. Lead us according to your purpose as we surrender to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, one last thing. If you have not, maybe you're here and you're not sure about what this is about. You've never given your life to Christ. Can I just ask everybody one more time to just bow your heads? I just want to do this privately. If there's any in the room who has never trusted Jesus in a relationship, would you just raise your hand? If you've never trusted Jesus in a relationship before, but you've been spoken to today, would you raise your hand? If you're online, you can text my decision to 94,000, and you've got a card there in front of you. I want you guys to get engaged with this. This is fulfilling Jesus' purpose and will for you, and he wants you. He wants to be in relationship with you. Father, I pray for those who have lifted their hands today, and I thank you that you've sent them here, that you've entrusted them to us. Holy Spirit, from this moment, as they've surrendered, lead them according to your footsteps, and we thank you for it. Make sure you get with one of our VIP team. We're going to have people here up the front praying. If you have raised your hand, please let us minister to you and join in with you in this walk and relationship.